0: Oftentimes when we talk about pride, we automatically assume we're talking about one who is conceited or one who is overly into themselves. But is superiority the only form of pride? And when we talk about humility, you may think of a quiet person, someone who is introverted, and one who steps back from being in the spotlight or someone who isn't very confident. But is that real humility or pride in disguise? So how do you know if you're actually prideful? If it would require humility to admit it, how do you know if you're actually humble? If it would be prideful of you to admit that you are humble today, we are continuing our series on true greatness. What does greatness look like? How do you live a life of greatness? According to scripture, this is part three of our series, true greatness. This is greatness without a crown. We have lots to get to today. I hope you're ready. So let's go. Hey, welcome back everybody. I am Jake Gallegos and my goal with each episode is that we get one step closer and further along in becoming who God has intended us to be one step at a time so we can be effective and make an impact in every area of our life. I want to take a moment to say thank you you are what keeps this going a big thank you to you and everyone who has subscribed rated and anyone who has taken a moment to provide any kind of feedback whether that be on social media sent me a dm or in person i want to say thank you so much to those who have shared the podcast on social media we want to welcome and invite others to join the community If you've been following along with us, you know what to expect. A new episode bi-weekly. We share a teaching the first Friday of every month. Then we'll spend some time with a special guest on the following episode. If you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe on your favorite platform or whatever go-to platform you use wherever you consume content so you don't miss out on what is coming up next. Also, keep an eye out for bonus content every month that has an extra week, we'll be posting a bonus episode. So stay tuned. So far, we've had some amazing guests on the podcast and we're very grateful and appreciative that they've graced us with their time and their wisdom. We've had Timothy Simino he spoke on his experience as a missionary in Africa. We've had Natalie Runyon from Race to Stay. We've had Ryan Franklin talking about the Christian leader blueprint. We also had a bonus episode where we spoke to Cedric and Shante Francis, which are the host of DMC podcast and the Marriage Coach podcast and Lead to Greatness. And also to recap on the series of true greatness in episode 27, we talked a little bit about gratitude. We talked about the gateway of greatness. If you missed it, you are more than welcome to go ahead and review. So you can go ahead and catch up. In episode 29, we talked about the commitment that it takes to be great. We talked about committed to greatness. Here today, we're talking about greatness without a crown. Greatness without a crown. So we have lots to share with you. We have lots to get to. So let's get to it. I think it's safe to say that everyone wants to be great. No one plans to be mediocre. No one plans on being a failure. No one just plans on specifically wanting to fail. Everyone wants to be great at something. Everyone wants to shine. Everyone wants to stand out. Everyone wants to be above the rest. And everyone wants to be great. And in sports, there is an acronym, the GOAT. You may have heard of it, the GOAT. Often Tom Brady is referred as, as to as the GOAT. Maybe Kobe Bryant, arguably. And maybe, uh, for sure, Michael Jordan. The goat, the greatest of all time. However, not everyone is gifted with supernatural athletic ability. And surely not everyone is a sports enthusiast. So, how can we attain greatness? And what does scripture say about it? You can ask for my opinion, but honestly, I would rather seek scripture and say, What does scripture say about it? Greatness is not always defined by what is seen on the exterior or by awards or the accolades. Greatness does not always guarantee the hardware to prove it to the world. Greatness is not always for the rich and famous. In fact, not everyone that is famous is great. And to be honest, not all people that are great are famous. So what is true greatness? According to scripture, greatness is someone who knows how to serve. Someone who knows how to serve others. Greatness is someone who knows how to be grateful in any circumstance. According to scripture, greatness is someone who is kind, someone who is compassionate, someone who knows how to forgive. Greatness looks like someone who knows how to be humble, someone who is willing to humble themselves. Greatness is someone that is willing to humble themselves a lot like a child. Oftentimes, simply because I don't know if you've ever noticed how quickly children are so quick to forgive they're quickly to willing to ask any type of intrinsic questions. They're willing to ask why for anything. And if you haven't noticed, they are extremely honest. And greatness is someone who loves, loves others, and loves their neighbor. You cannot live a life of true greatness without following the greatest commandment. One who loves God with all of their soul and mind and their neighbor, like themselves. So what does true greatness look like in our life? True greatness doesn't wear a crown. True greatness doesn't wear a crown. Typically, when you see a crown, it represents royal authority. When you see a crown, you think of maybe respect. You think of authority. Someone who is wearing a crown, they expect people to bow down. In Britain, the reigning monarch and the government are actually known as the crown. However, Jesus introduced to us a different type of kingdom. Jesus introduced to us his kingdom. Repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. When he began explaining what the kingdom was and what it looked like to humanity, it seemed to be a bit upside down. To live, you must die. To go up and be great, you must go down and serve. That to many may come as a surprise and it may be upside down. Jesus didn't come to rule like a standard king on earth. The absolute greatest version of an earthly king would still fall short to our heavenly king, the king of kings and lord of lords. Jesus didn't come to establish a kingdom to rule as a dictator or with dominance or control or any kind of temporary power. Jesus, God manifested in the flesh, came into the earth in the most humble way, becoming sin to deliver us all from sin. Jesus introduced a kingdom that is ruled by love, ruled by peace and grace and mercy. He came to give his life as a ransom for many to provide eternal life. He gifted his greatness. Jesus was, is, and always will be the greatest of all. True greatness on earth looked like a king without a crown. John 19, 1-5. I love what it says and I want to share it with you. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him again and again saying, Hail the king of the Jews. And they slapped him in the face. Once more, Pilate came out and said to the Jews gathered there, Look, I am bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. When Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, Here is the man. Let's break this down a little bit further into more simple terms. Let's look at this in a way where it applies to our life and what greatness looks like. Let's take the vantage point from pride and humility. True greatness is one with absolute, genuine humility. But here's the problem How do you know if you're prideful or humble? A prideful person cannot recognize their own pride. Think about that for a moment. A prideful person cannot recognize their own pride because then they would have to admit that they're prideful and that requires humility. A humble person can't admit to be humble because then that would be proud to be humble. It would require a level of pride to admit that you're humble. Is a humble brag real humility? Let's break down humility and let's look at that and focus that for for a moment. What is humility and how do we know if we're actually humble? How do you know if you're humble? Well, let's look at scripture. Psalms 149 verse 4 says, For the Lord takes delight in his people. He crowns the humble with victory. Ryan Holiday wrote a book called Ego is the Enemy. And in this book, he shares three stages of life. And in these three stages, he says that ego is the enemy in all these phases. First, he talks about aspiring. Then he talks about achieving and failing. Let's look at aspiring. Whenever your life is aspiring, your ego will tell you, you should be further along than this. When you're in the grind, when you're going through the struggle, when you're going through that time of that season in your life, where it takes absolutely everything out of you, you're sacrificing, the seed is in the ground, you're working hard for a specific goal, you have to be determined, you have to be disciplined, and you have to be focused. When you're aspiring, when you're looking up, when you're, when you're pushing yourself through when you don't want to, when it takes, when it really requires that grit and that discipline, ego will come up and tell you, you should be further along. You're wasting your time. Why them and not you? Your ego will tell you when someone else is achieving, when someone else gets the promotion, when someone else gets a little bit of success, when someone else seems to be coming out on top, according to society and culture, your ego will tell you, why them and not you? You deserve this. Your gifts are better than this. Your ego will speak to you in this form when you're aspiring. When you're achieving, ego will tell you, you don't need help. Ego. When you're achieving, will keep you from asking for help and being humble enough to ask others to say, Hey, you know what? I don't know. I can't right now. I need support. I need a hand. I need help. I need direction. You don't need help. Ego will tell you, You don't need help when you're achieving. Ego will change the story to, You did this when you're achieving. It doesn't let you, doesn't allow you to give acknowledgement to other people. It doesn't allow you to acknowledge others that actually took part in your success. When you're achieving, ego will will change the story to you did this. You didn't do this with anyone else. You didn't do this because you got a handout. You didn't do this because of any other reason. And actually, this is very dangerous because it, it not only eliminates your relationships, eliminates people around you, but it also eliminates God. Ego changes the story to you did this. All because of what you did, your sacrifices, you did this. So also in the third phase that Ryan Holiday talks about an Ego is the Enemy, talks about failing. And when we're failing, when we're not really getting it done, when we came up short, we made a mistake, we took a wrong turn somewhere, ego will tell you nobody like you has ever failed like this before. I can't believe you failed. I can't believe you did this. I can't believe you made that mistake. I can't believe you made that decision. When we're failing, your ego will come up and accuse you and bury you even deeper. I can't believe you did this. Three phases of our life when we're aspiring, achieving, and failing where ego becomes the enemy. However, here's the good news the goal and where our focus should be is to be humble in our aspirations, gracious in our success and resilient in our failures. The goal is to be humble in our aspirations, gracious in our success, and resilient in our failures. We have to get back up. It requires humility to recognize, I'm here now, but I'm not gonna stay here. I'm here now, I made a mistake, but I'm getting back up. I've been asked before, and I thought it was a phenomenal question, how can one be humble and still be confident? How can one be humble and still be confident? I think that was an excellent question. And I think C.S. Lewis is the one that articulates this the best. Humility is not lacking confidence. It's not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking about yourself less. Let's look at it one more time. Humility is not lacking confidence. It's not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking about yourself less. People that are truly humble don't lack confidence. Humility is not believing less of yourself, but rather a high level of self-awareness. A high level of self-awareness. It's a misconception to believe that a humble person lacks confidence or doesn't have confidence, doesn't believe in themselves, because actually that is not necessarily true in every case. No one likes to be judged, much less being accused of lacking humility. In other words, no one likes to be accused of being prideful. So when we fear being recognized as prideful, we take a step back from sharing our ideas in our teams and in a group setting in front of people. We take a step back from sharing our ideas and our views and our beliefs, and we downplay what we are actually good at. We downplay our own giftedness because we don't want to be recognized as prideful. And actually, that is the very form of pride. I don't want to seem as lacking humility. That may be a thought in your mind. I don't want to be I don't want to seem as lacking humility. I don't want to come off as prideful. That actually robs the opportunity to serve others with your talents and with your gifts. And if you're not using your talents and your gifts, what that actually is doing is that that dishonors God. That is not honoring God. Robbing the opportunity to serve others with what you have, what you actually have the ability to do, that dishonors God. Have you ever been afraid to admit you're actually good at something? I know I've been there before. You don't want to be accused of being prideful and we take a step back and we tend to hide. We'd rather be in the shadow. We'd rather just let everyone else speak up. Actually, it's okay to admit you're good. It's okay to admit you're good. Think about it for a moment. The problem is when you consistently demand tension to yourself for what you're good at. It's okay to admit you're good, but the problem is when you consistently demand the light. A humble person knows how to laugh at themselves. They have the ability to admit when they are good in an area or not. They're perfectly fine with saying, hey, you know what? You take the lead. You got this. You know where you're going. I don't. A humble person will not have a problem with laughing at themselves when they make a mistake. They trip over the words. Maybe they trip and fall. They go through an embarrassing moment. They'll laugh at themselves. A humble person will deflect recognition onto others. And I want you to really grasp this thought for a moment. A humble person will deflect recognition onto others. They are secure enough to highlight other people that were involved with that task. Someone comes up to you and says, man, you did a fantastic job with that. Whatever it is you did, you killed it. You did it. Man, that was awesome. Yeah, but you know what? So-and-so was also involved. I appreciate that. Thank you. But I would not be able to do it without the team. I would not be able to do it without a specific person. I would not be able to do it without the rest of the crew. Secure enough to be able to highlight other people that were also involved. Here's a true story. In the past, it was awkward for me when I was recognized for something because I didn't know what to say. And I don't know if this may be you also. I don't know if you've ever been through this situation or this moment where someone comes up to recognize something you did and it's like, well, what do I say? Do I say thank you? Is it prideful to say thank you? That would sound prideful. Maybe. Thank you. I was proud in being humble. Because I didn't want to come off as a proud person. I've learned you can actually say thank you, but also forward the recognition to other people. Yeah, but did you see so-and-so? Did you see what they did? Did you see how they supported? Did you see how they set it up? Highlight someone that helped you, where you learned it from, and how you got to that point. Recognize those people whenever you receive recognition and you, you find yourself that you don't know what to say. You can say thank you, but forward the recognition elsewhere. Don't wear the crown all on your own. Don't wear the crown all on your own. Don't drink your own Kool-Aid. So how do you know if you're actually humble if humility is hidden? Humility tends to hide. I want you to think about that. Humility tends to hide. Humility is defined by your intentions. You'll know... That you're actually humble when you see yourself doing humble things. You'll know when you're okay doing things that others rather not do because it is beneath them. That requires a humble spirit. When you're willing to do things that others rather not do, the things that everybody else is grossed out by, the things that everybody else pulls away from, the things that everyone else believes, well, I'm better than that. That requires a humble spirit and vice versa. You also know something is wrong when you're okay with others doing things that you rather not do. If you step away something and you're okay with someone else doing that, you're okay with someone else taking out the trash, you're okay with someone else doing the work and you're okay with that, that's a red flag. When you're okay with others doing things that you rather not do as if it was beneath you, that would be the opposite of humility. And we're going to talk about that in a moment. Let's look at a more practical example. How do you treat others in lower positions than you? If you have a position in your job, you have a position in your nonprofit, you have a position in your church, you have a position of any type. How do you treat others in lower positions than you? How do you treat those that are providing some type of service for you? How do you treat the cashier at the store? How do you treat the waitress, the waiter at the restaurant? The maintenance team and the janitor crew at your job. How do you treat the usher at your church that is gladly, willingly, with a smile opening the door for you so you can walk through? Romans 12, 16 says, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. You can fact check me on that. Romans 12, 16. Whatever translation you want to look at it live in harmony with one another do not be proud but be willing to associate with people of low position do not be conceited if you are a leader in your space you know you're humble when you're willing to decentralize authority when you're willing to allow others to have the final decision that is empowering others that what that is what empowering others looks like humility is the outward example of how much time you have spent with god think about that humility is the outward example of how much time you have spent with God. Because remember, humility tends to hide and we can't really speak for humility. We can't just go out and say we're humble because that would require pride to admit it. Humility is the outward example, how much time you have spent with God. You just do humble things all the time and you're willing to do that gracefully and willingly. The fruits of the Spirit are naturally on display without bringing attention to yourself. Since humility is hidden, in some cases, we can perceive humility as pride. And this is what happened to David with his older brother when he showed up with lunch on the battlefield, willing to take on Goliath when everyone else was scared. 1 Samuel 17, 28, Eliab, David's oldest brother, accused, accuses him of being prideful. David was actually confident in God. He knew God would help him if he had an opportunity at Goliath. Humility that comes off as pride is actually confidence in God. Some would refer to this as Godfidence. Humility that comes off as pride is actually true confidence in God. And this is what that looks like in Scripture. I can do all things through Christ, not through myself, not through my own knowledge, not through my own wisdom not through my own strength. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Humility doesn't wear the crown, but it also doesn't mean that you don't own one. Think about it. Humility doesn't wear a crown, but it doesn't mean that you don't own one. A life of true greatness is becoming more and more humble. A life of true greatness is looking at the life of Jesus and trying to mirror that and becoming more like Jesus and becoming more humble. That's greatness without a crown. Proverbs 22, 4 says, Humility is the fear of the Lord. Its wages are riches and honor and life. Watch this. Humility is hidden, but pride intentionally hides. Humility is hidden, but pride prefers to hide. No one wants to be seen or accused as being prideful. So we use humility as a defense mechanism because we take pride in being humble. The proud will refuse to fail so they don't take any risk. They'll take a step back. And what actually happens is that you stay stuck in safe mode. That's pride behind humility. When you're afraid of looking like a fool, you're afraid of being embarrassed. You're afraid of stepping stepping out and making a mistake. And to be quite honest, I've struggled, struggled with this for so long. And this is why I thought it was very, very important for me to be open and transparent and vulnerable with you to share it. Because I feel like I may not be the only one. For a long time, I didn't even recognize, I didn't have the proper self-awareness to even realize what I was doing wrong. And this is the most dangerous place you can be to be making this mistake, to be living in a shell of hidden pride and not even recognize, not even know that you're making this mistake. This was the case with me. I wanted to be seen as humble, but it was my pride not letting me see the real issue. There are moments where we appear to be humble, but it's actually pride. You take pride in the wrong things. You take pride in doing specific things. A prideful person can talk about their weaknesses, but it's really a humble brag because they're actually highlighting their strengths. It may come off as weaknesses, but actually pride is hidden behind that humble brag because it's a highlight because it's actually something they're really good at. It could sound like, I'm so committed and I just care too much. I'm willing to take on that much responsibility. I'm willing to carry the team. They're willing to highlight their own strengths. In the same way that we can take pride in humility, you can take pride in doing the good things. We recognize this as self-righteousness. You can actually take pride in doing all of the good things. You can be proud to be on God's side. What does that look like? Let's look at Scripture. 2 Corinthians twelve six. when Paul says, Even if I should choose to boast, watch this. I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth, but I refrain so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say. That's the Apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians 12, 6. You can also be proud to be holy. You can be proud to be holy. Think about that. Luke 18, 9. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Hear me, watch this. The Pharisee and the tax collector. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed God, I thank you that I am not like the other people, the robbers, the evildoers, the adulterers, or even like the tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector, watch this, here's the difference. The tax collector stood at a distance, he would not even look up to heaven but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God, for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. We think, we can think we're humble, but we're actually taking pride in the wrong things. You can be, you can take pride in holiness, you can take pride on being in God's side. We can think we're humble, but we're actually taking pride in these things. The same goes for pride. You can be prideful about knowledge. You could be prideful in your own strength. You could be prideful in your level of spirituality. So what does pride look like? And how, what do we do? We often stop at conceited and think that that is the only form of pride, and actually that is a superiority version, the one that thinks better than everyone else mentality. The thing about pride is that since it tends to hide, everyone can see the issue except the person that has it. That's one of the biggest problems with pride. Everyone can see the issue except the person that has it. The inferiority version would sound like this. I can't believe that no one even acknowledged me. I can't believe that no one greeted me. I can't believe that no one even realized that it was me or that I, did, that I did it. Nobody cares about me. Nobody even called me. Nobody even cared to ask. That is the inferiority version of pride. A very me-centered mindset. Watch this, though. Pride will have you going crazy and frustrated because your life is not where you expected it to be at this stage in your life. You thought you were going to be further along. You thought you were going to be better off by now. You thought you were going to have the ring by now. You thought you were going to be married by now. You thought you were going to have the promotion or the, you you thought you wouldn't get there by now. You thought you were going to arrive by this stage in life. Pride will have you blaming God and telling God how your life should be going right now. Pride is dangerous and pride will intentionally hide. Pride will have you blaming God and telling God how your life should be going right now. Pride is a sin that provides the foundation for the surface level sin. Pride is much deeper than what you see on the surface. And actually on the surface, this is what it looks like. I struggle with indecisiveness. I'm just going to flat out come out up front and say that. I struggle with indecisiveness. Decisiveness, And this is why I'm sharing this with you, because a lot of the things that I've learned, I want to share with others so you can grow and learn along with me. When you're stuck in indecisiveness, you won't do what God has asked you to do because you're afraid to fall. You're afraid to fail. You're afraid to fall on your face and make a mistake. On the surface, it looks like procrastination, but at the root, it's actually pride. You're stuck in procrastination. You struggle with making decisions. Well, there's too many options. Yeah, that's me too. You have a reputation and you refuse to take a risk because what will they say if it doesn't turn out to be the way I thought it would be? You think about your reputation. You think about what people think about you. You think about what they're going to think and you're stuck in procrastination on the surface. But deep down, it's actually pride, indecisiveness, procrastination. And here's another one. You're stuck with no help. What does that mean? You're stuck with no help because you're not willing to ask others for help. You won't let others take control or you don't believe anyone can help you. You don't think that anyone else has the ability to help you. You don't believe that anyone can do it better than you. Why would I ask for help or why would I ask them if they don't know more than me? That's the ego speaking. That's pride beneath. That's pride underneath. Why would I ask them if they don't know more than me? You may not admit that necessarily up front on the surface, but deep down, sometimes we won't ask for help because we have all the answers and we don't believe that someone else can actually make a difference. There isn't anything I can't do. You have no help all because no one is better than you. Ask yourself today, how many people do you have in your proximity that you can learn from? Or do you learn from everyone around you? According to you, how many people have less value than you? Or do you treat others as if with more value than you? Pride looks like this. I'm doing me right now. I'm taking care of number one. I'm taking care of myself. I'm doing me right now. Do your truth. You do you. This is what society says. This is what culture says. This is what the world says. Do your truth and you do you. And to be honest, there's only one truth. The problem is that this thought excludes everyone around you, including God. This thought is that it excludes everyone around you, including God. Pride will keep you from access to God. Watch what James chapter 4, 6 and 7 say. Pride will keep you from access to God. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Why does it say that God will resist the proud, but then it says resist the devil and he will flee from you? The the devil knows that the only way that sometimes he can separate you from God or cause you to sin before God or cause you to be In some type of blindness and suffocating in your own pride without even knowing it is by using your pride. The scripture says, God resists the proud, but then it says, resist the devil and he will flee. The devil knows that he can use your pride to interfere your relationship with God. Because when you begin to be prideful and you don't even recognize it, you're stuck and you're blind, and God will resist the proud. But if you resist the devil, he will flee from you. And it takes humility to recognize, God, I need you. God, I have a problem. It takes that proper self-awareness to say, God, I need to be forgiven. I am a sinner. I have issues. I'm dealing with this pride. I don't, want to, I don't want to believe like this anymore. I don't want to live like this. I want to be great. I want to be more like you. It takes humility to repent. It takes humility and a humble spirit to even recognize that you're making that mistake. Scripture says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. That's humility. When you lay your crown down and you lay your pride down and you actually admit to God, you're repented, you're truly bowing down to God and say, I need you in my life. I'm doing it all wrong. I don't want to do it my way anymore. God draws near to you. Watch this, though. A narcissistic person doesn't take criticism well. The more narcissistic you are, the more fragile you become resilience is actually learned on the opposite side of failure. Failure cannot be avoided. Pride will make you become more fragile because you are less resilient. Resilience can only be learned on the opposite side of failure. You have to be willing to make the mistake, take the risks, take the plunge, go ahead first, because resilience is learned on the opposite side of failure. Every time that I failed, every time I made a mistake, Honestly, I came back stronger because I learned something new. I learned what not to do. I learned where to make the corrections. And it exposed something deeper and more about myself. It made me more resilient. The narcissist gets defensive when confronted with failure. A prideful character will completely derail your growth. Here are some characteristics to be aware of. Watch this, a high need of praise and admiration. And I'm sharing this because pride tends to hide. And you may recognize some of the characteristics, but you may not necessarily admit to yourself, maybe, hey, that's me. Because the characteristics that we have to be aware of are these high need for praise, high need for admiration, and a view that no one can do it better. If you are one of the ones that believe, hey, you know what? I got all the answers. No one can do it better than me. No one can do it louder than me. No one can do it at my level. Then you got to be careful. No one can be smarter. No one can be more gifted. And you are the guy. You are the gal. Then you have to be careful. Those are the characteristics of a narcissist. It's difficult to ask for help. It's lack of empathy, empathy for people and things that matter most. The real test, and this is how you know, this is how you can find out. This is a good litmus test. The real test is how do you respond? That's the question. How do you respond to criticism? Do you tend to deflect it? Do you tend to deny? Do you tend to get defensive? Or do you feel deflated and beaten down? Because the humble person will actually laugh at themselves and look at life with the best perspective. But how do you respond to criticism? That's a good way to know. How do you respond to rejection? Do you reject the ones who rejected you and you're one of the ones that are willing to lash back because that's what they did to you and they don't deserve your attention, your time, and you are better because you deserve better? How do you respond to rejection? Another one is how do you respond to advice? Some people actually don't really want advice even though they ask for it. Some people don't want Advice. They just want to, they want you to confirm their truth and they want you to hear, they want to hear their decision in someone else's voice. Do you become bothered when you're contradicted? And one of the things that I want you to know is that you have to be careful with giving unsolicited advice. Some of the best advice is the one that people ask for, but that's the difficult part of. Being prideful, that's the difficult part of struggling with this, that it hides. And how do you respond to advice? Do you want to hear your own decision in, through someone else? Or do you genuinely say, hey, you know what? I need help. What do you think? How do you respond to praise and recognition from other people? Do you like being liked? Do you like the affirmation? Do you like being approved and validated? Do you like being noticed and needed? Do you like to please other people? And all of these things, actually, they spike up that dopamine in our brain and, and, and it just triggers this attitude. You have to be careful with that. And I think everyone, for the majority, struggles with liking to be liked. And we can do probably do an entire episode on something like that. And I think a lot of times social media has really driven us towards, driven our, our, our focus towards that simply because of the way that it's built, but we can talk about that another day. How do you respond to rejection, criticism, advice, praise, and recognition? Here's what scripture says. John chapter 3, verse 30. He must be greater and I must become less. He must become greater and I must become less. Luke 9, 48 says this. Whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. For it is the one who is least among you, all who is the greatest. Proverbs twenty nine twenty three says, A man's pride will bring him low, but the humble in spirit will retain honor. So let me ask you this, and I want you to think about this. What does your crown look like? What does your crown look like? Is it twisted with thorns? Or is your head heavy from wearing the crown too long? Greatness does not wear a crown. You can be great, but not by the standards of this world, but by godly standards. There's nothing wrong with achieving for greatness. There's nothing wrong with achieving for better. There's nothing wrong with achieving for more. You can be great, but not by the standards of this world, but by godly standards. And I encourage you be great in every way and in everything you can but the greatness is defined by scripture and not by society be great in every way and everything you can but the greatness that is defined by scripture and not by society you can be great as long as god gets the glory live and create a life of greatness only without a crown this is greatness without a crown and that's the truth. Thank you for joining me today. If you enjoyed today's podcast and you found this helpful in some way, let us know about it. I would love to connect with you on social media. In the description below, you will find the links. You can also visit the blog page where you can find more helpful content like this at inspire.org That's inspired, the number two, inspired.org. And you will be able to find the links also in the description below. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on anything. I encourage you to help us reach others by rating, leave a review or share it on social media. And that would mean so much to me. And i would be very, very appreciative of that. In the meantime, continue moving forward in the direction God is leading you. Continue taking steps closer and becoming who God has intended you to be so you can be impactful in every area of your life. God bless and we'll see you on the next one.